this is Kenya, and welcome to my Magical Cottage Core Life. Today, we prepare as we are still in the depth of winter, but we want to remember that better days in spring are coming, and this is the time to start planning your garden and your herbal adventures. But another thing you might want to do during your downtime is to prepare your own storage cabinet, or as I like to call it, your apothecary cabinet. But in this particular case, let's not make it a normal one. For those of you who have access to wooden crates, you can do this with any wooden crate, but you can also do it with what I have, which is an old wooden ammo box. That's right, the kind with the rope handles. So. If you have one of those really large old wooden ammo boxes, this episode is for you. It's about a yard long, give or take, and if you can find one, count yourselves lucky because it's not easy. So take out your big book of stuff because today we're going to talk about how you can turn your um, ammo box or a large flat styled rectangular wooden crate with a lid into your own apothecary storage area. Let's get started. Oh, and make sure you turn to your Big Book of Stuffs page on storage and herbs. Now for many of you, you do know that I often will tell you I'm not a certified herbalist, I'm not a certified naturalist, I'm not an allopathic doctor of medicine, and I am not a Chinese medicine practitioner, so not enough throwing all that out, what am I? I'm someone who practices remedies on myself and my friends, but I don't practice medicine. I use folk practices and folk medicine, folk remedies, traditional cures and remedies, but I also mix them with allopathic medicine, and I also make sure my physicians and my naturopaths know exactly what I'm using, because remember, When you're using allopathic or modern medicine, these are still things that affect the body, as do herbs. Herbs are food, but they can also help us with forms of remedies. So it's important that you tell everyone what's going on and educate yourself to make sure everything goes together well, because some things you can't use depending on your particular situation and your body. And keep in mind that when you tell someone to educate themselves, that doesn't mean send them to Dr. Google. That means give them book references, bibliographies, give them someone to talk to in person, tell them where to find information and resources, movies, recordings, the whole the whole thing, and have them actually begin to have an education. Don't just send someone to a single website. It's rude and it's not very nice. So let's let's keep that in mind, okay? Another thing we would like to do before we get completely started is to set up some guidelines or some baselines about our language for this episode because I am using the word apothecary and I will be using it throughout the episode, but I want you to understand I'm not using it as a substitute for pharmacist. A pharmacist is quite different than an apothecary, and I want to make that clear. And sometimes you have pharmacists 
who are apothecaries. So what is the difference? Well, I'm going to keep it really simple. Primarily, a pharmacist is someone who dispenses medications or prepares them as far as just, you know, counts them out and fills prescriptions usually and watches for contraindications or interactions. And they go to school a very long time for that. So do pharmacy assistants, but they're not the same as a pharmacist. However, an apothecary may or may not have gone to pharmacy school, and it's under you know it's very understand you know understandable to confuse them. An apothecary is someone who prepares medicines. These are people who take raw materials and put them together and make your medications. Many times, herbalists wind up being apothecaries. But I want to make something clear: if you have a pharmacist. Who is a compounding pharmacist you may have an apothecary or someone who can actually practice the art of being an apothecary it's a very old word and oftentimes they're used interchangeably but that's not quite right and of course I'm always here for correction so if you have a better understanding and want to correct me I'm open to it I'm always ready to learn So once you have your box, and uh, we've talked about what kind, I'm going to specifically talk about an ammo box. You can adjust what we're doing to any kind of wooden box with a lid, and I will let you make your own adjustments. But in my case, one of the first things that I do is clear out my box. I clean it thoroughly because oftentimes, if they were actually used for ammunition, they may have gunpowder in them. So I want to clean that out very well. One of the ways you can do that is with a good oil soap. Uh, it doesn't have to be mirth fees, you can make your own. I would avoid, and I, I mean this very heartily, I would avoid any strong scents to be on the inside and outside of your box. Let it dry thoroughly, let it air out. Do not, and I cannot stress this enough, do not in any way put lemon oil or cedar oil or something like that on the wood because it will have a scent that will permeate the herbs or anything else you have inside of the box and that kind of defeats the purpose of what you're trying to do here if you really feel strongly about it and you're worried about that you can always place cedar chips in a small bag on top of the box or you can put cedar on the outside of the box but even then you're really taking a chance on it becoming contaminated. The safest way to do that would be to take a rope handles and rub a little cedar oil on the rope handles themselves, avoiding using the wood. And in that way, it would deter, because of its scent, insects from boring into the box, but still not contaminate what's inside. Now one of the primary things you want to look at is what kind of container are you going to be putting in the box. You need to get one of whatever container you plan on using as the primary uh, receptacle and put it in the box and close it. Make sure the lid can close. Make sure it's not flush with the, um, the lid to where it's going to bang on it if you drop the lid. You don't want your jar to shatter. Give yourself some headspace. Give yourself some room. Another thing you want to watch out for is make sure that there's an ability for you to have enough of that particular container in that box. This is not going to be something you use every day. For that, you could probably put those on shelves. This is something that's going to be like your backup or your travel kit or just something you're going to keep in back storage. So again, 
you don't need huge quantities. If it's something you use a lot of on a regular basis, I probably would just put a small amount in this box. The major amount should be in a large jar in your kitchen. I'm looking at you. I am watching you with the jar hoarding. What I found that works for me and is almost absolutely perfect for these containers are those mini glass yogurt containers. Those jars that you get with a really good yogurt and then you wind up not knowing what to do with it. I believe the yogurt is called Wee and I love those containers, but people use them for all sorts of things. Well, I said, why not use them for this? So if you clean them out really well, you can take the labels off. It takes a, a lot of work to get those labels off. And if you can, great. If you can't, don't worry about it. They're just containers. And then as long as they're clean, it's fine. What you're gonna do is see how many will fit in there and how many you can get. If you can't use those, use the smallest jelly jar you can. That's the really small small jar. It's not the eight ounce jar, obviously. It's the four ounce jar. And if you can get a smaller jar, that's great. If not, that's fine. You're going to put your herbs in there. So make sure it's clean, make sure it's sterilized, and do your best. And you can either use lids or you can use other items. And I'll tell you what those are in just a minute. But once you've got them together, put all of them into the container that you're going to use and again make sure it closes also make sure they will not be crashing into each other they're going to need cushion so one of the things you want to do is get yourself either some some felt or maybe in for me this is what works a good yard of flannel or two because that works really well Now what you want to also do is make sure that your herbs aren't going to be smelling off or tainted or like metal and glass when you're storing them. And what I have found works really well is to include coffee filters inside the jars themselves. I have found that it's a very large and it's really detectable. The difference you can notice when you're storing your herbs in these jars within the coffee filter lining versus just in the jar. So if you have them, use coffee filters. If you don't, you can also take some brown paper bags and cut them into pieces and use them to line it. You really can. It works just fine. And if you've done this a few times, you will notice the difference if you find that it's a useful hint for, for you to use. Please don't hold back. Please let me know in the Shire. Now, of course, there's going to be the temptation to use cupcake liners. And that's fine. You can definitely use cupcake liners. I'm not telling you not to use cupcake liners. The only thing about using a cupcake liner, and I want to point this out, is that you probably won't have enough to fold over the container's contents before you put the lid on. And one of the reasons I use coffee filters is because there's so much leftover material that you can kind of tuck it in over, and that way it really does hold in the scent a little bit more as well as protecting it from the metal lid or whatever else you're using as a lid on top because some people do actually have 
little screw-on plastic lids. So again, it's your choice. You do what's best for you. You can even cut a small circle of waxed paper or parchment paper to put in top, and that way you can still cover your herbs without the coffee filter. Once you've got all this set up, you've done your measurements, you've got your layout all set, and you know what you're going to put in there, it's time to decide what kind of label you want. Now, if you've already got jars that have almost impossible to remove wee labels, if you got them off, good for you. Here's a rose for your nose. But if you didn't, you can cover them up with a different label. I know that you can get those wee label off, labels off. It just takes forever. But once you're getting ready to label them, don't use the chalkboard labels. And I say this because chalkboard labels often come off. Another thing that you, as far as the writing, the chalk gets smeared. Another thing you can keep in mind is that you may want to reuse these jars for other herbs, especially if you find that certain herbs don't get used and you don't feel the necessity to keep a place for them. So when you're doing this, try not to have something that will also be impossible almost to remove and will something that will keep its legibility for a long time. That's why I don't recommend using markers. I don't recommend using vinyl. I, I do recommend a good old-fashioned pen and paper. Even medical tape with an ink pen will work better than some of the things I've seen out here. One of the worst things I've seen as far as how that can go really badly if you don't label things properly is that there was a time that my neighbor got really sick and again I'm not practicing medicine we're all friends so we make our own remedies and they asked me to put something together because they were out of what they usually have and I really couldn't remember if the herb in the jars were bone set Angelica which I know they look very different Angelica or a blend of Damiana and something else so I literally had to instead of just sending the jars down in a hurry had to take everything out sniff everything triple sniff it because I do make blends and make sure it was what it was supposed to be and I finally gave up because I had to go to the larger containers to find them because the original bags because what wound up happening, I could not tell which herbs were which that time of night, and the labels had come off. That's before I realized it's better not to use certain kinds of labels. Some of them were smeared. It was just, a, it was a nightmare. So that's one of the reasons why I recommend uh, using labels that are reliable, dependable, and legible. You know, especially if you get a call in the middle of the night because someone needs eyebright. You don't want to send bone set by mistake. Speaking of night, we're listening to Nightlife by Michael Cochran. So now we get to where we're almost at the end. Um, we want to talk about how to make this cute because we do cottage core, right? And it's not just cottage core. We cover goblin core and all the different cores 
but in this particular case, we're sticking with the cottage core. And the thing is, is that once you have these sealed, you want to make it cute. And it's not just because of aesthetics, it also is an additional cushion in case the jars rattle together while moving. So putting a piece of flannel, a cute pattern of material, or even quilting fabric, the cotton kind, on top, you know, make a little circle, put it over the top, tie it in a bow of yarn or string. These things make them not only cute, but again, they're an additional protection. And there's something just really wholesome about opening up that box and seeing all these cute little jars of joy and happy. It's, it just makes you feel good. You know, they say we eat with our eyes, but we also appreciate with our eyes. But for those of us who cannot see, you know, I don't want to exclude you. So when you have little flannel jars and things and you have decided to make the labels in Braille, once you put those stickers on, once you put the Braille back labels on, you can run your fingers through and feel all of those different labels and it feels good too. Just like you can feel the different textures of the little circlets on top. I don't put the ability to do anything beyond anyone. You can always find a way to do something that makes you happy in a way that works for you. So I don't want to leave anyone out. Also, keep in mind that when you're doing this, it should be something that's so legible that other people can find it if you trust them enough to go into it. Just a thought to cap this part of the series off talking about cats. That wasn't quite a mom joke, but you get what I mean. And I guess we're at the end, and I want to thank you for being so patient for this episode to come out. I've been under the weather a bit. Um, I know I've been saying that off and on, but it really can be difficult for an asthmatic when the seasons and temperatures are changing at a rapid rate. And I had to find and crack into my New England Blue Aster extract that a friend gave me, as well as using my lemon verbena for tisanes to make myself feel better uh, before I got up enough strength and steadiness in my voice to make this episode. And I appreciate you, you know, and love you all because you've really stood by me and we're in our second season. How great is that? You know, I really am enjoying sharing all of these things with my friends and we're friends, right? So until next time, from my home to yours, may you go in grace and be prosperous. See you next time here on my Magical Cottagecore Life. <laughs>